This podcast is brought to you by the Airline Pilots Association. Alpa supports its pilots through a variety of resources, including Pilot Peer Support, or PPS. PPS is a support network that connects Alpa members with trained pilot peers to talk about any personal or professional problems you may be experiencing. For contact information and to learn more, visit alpa.org pps. Welcome to the Flying the Line podcast, a look into the past of the Airline Pilots Association, a bridge from the book Flying the Line, Volume 2, by George E. Hopkins. In Volume 1, Hopkins recounted the conditions that compelled early airline pilots to come together as a union. The book followed ALPA's evolution as it paralleled developments in aviation, like the growth of international travel following World War II, and the emergence of jet aircraft. And we learned about the succession of early ALPA leaders and the challenges they faced. Volume two explores the consequences of industry deregulation. We'll meet new airline icons and learn how they changed the industry. And we'll also meet the ALPA leaders who faced a new environment with unmatched challenges. And now, Flying the Line, volume two. Chapter one the world of the airline pilot. The day begins at O dark 30. The sun rides high over the Atlantic Ocean. The North American continent still slumbers. Thousands of professional airline pilots are awakening in the pre-dawn darkness, fumbling towards full alertness. Soon they will sit in the noses of winged metal tubes, marvels of modern technology. These planes will hurtle through the air at speeds that were inconceivable just a generation ago. Behind these professional airline pilots, completely oblivious to their technical skills, will sit hundreds of thousands of passengers, strapped to their seats, trapped and trusting. In the span of one lifetime, commercial aviation made progress that would shame the wildest flights of science fiction fancy. What might a pioneer aviator of the 1920s thought about today's millions of routine travelers? And what would he have thought of his profession, transmuted through the decades to the century's end? The world of modern airline pilots, like the world of the first airline pilots, still begins with the ritual of flight preparation. For every flight, whether pre-dawn or at midnight, professional airline pilots draw on a legacy passed down through the decades. The pre-flight ritual, almost religious in its intensity, is full of costly lessons learned in other eras by pilots who flew vastly different aircraft, primitive by today's standards. Modern pre-flight preparation is a rite as old as the professional aviator's calling. And like nothing else in the workday, it links modern airline pilots to their forebears. Just as in 1927, Airline pilots today carefully apply the skills of their craft, checking a thousand details. Each comes with the potential of life and death as they set about making the nation's air transportation system actually work. Pilots who flew airliners in the era of wooden wings would recognize instantly the physical stresses modern airline pilots face. If a grizzled old captain of a Ford trimotor lumbering along between Omaha and Chicago should suddenly, by some sci-fi time warp, find himself at the controls of the latest-generation glass-cockpit fly-by-wire marvel, he would be utterly lost 
In a technical sense, so much has changed. Equipment, procedures, the very language of flight. But the basic process of flight, of readying both pilot and airplane, would be eerily familiar. The wrenching impact of interrupted sleep, the physical and psychological tricks airline pilots have always used to deceive their bodies into functioning in midday form, these would be the same. They would understand the physical toll. They also live lives of mornings begun too early and too many extended days. They knew their profession prematurely creased the face and accelerated the complaints of age. It still does. All the technological progress hasn't changed that. Danger has many faces, and the most insidious is the one that presents multiple threats subtly masked. Modern airline pilots get so much information that they have the constant task of separating what's nice to know from what's absolutely necessary. In a world aloft, where computers control everything from pre-flight plans to en-route sequencing, Modern pilots are immersed in a system of dependency. Pilots depend on controllers, flight dispatchers, weather forecasters, and an almost unlimited array of supporting players. Yet just like the pilots of 1930, modern pilots are ultimately responsible for the safe and effective functioning of the air transportation system. They operate from the crucial apex, the single point that the vast array of supporting staff concentrates their efforts, the flight deck. All the elements of computerized innovation haven't changed that or lessened the essential danger each pilot faces in making this crucial system work. Danger is, of course, inherent in the professional airline pilot's calling. And it is not the real issue. Every pilot understands danger, instinctively, as have pilots in all eras. Even among their trusting passengers, few perceive flying today as really dangerous. Scratch the surface of the public's perceptions, and a fanciful airline pilot's world emerges. One where fabulously rich aviators take lengthy vacations and only occasionally work while flying to glamorous places, not dangerous in the least. Perhaps flying was dangerous once, but not now, not today. Such is the conventional wisdom. But danger is not the point. Pilots, for reasons psychological and practical, have always made light of flying's dangers. For professional airline pilots today, danger lies not in the routine hazards, or even the hazards of routine. The most consistent danger confronting pilots today is something that outsiders are only vaguely aware of, the hazard of change. Rapid, remorseless, unremitting change. This change assaults pilots in the way they live, the equipment they fly, the conditions of their employment, and the structure of their corporate world, once so immutably secure, now so fragile and shifting. For airline pilots at century's end, Change is a condition of daily life. And while an old pilot's adage holds that no two flights are ever quite the same, the variety of original experiences that each pilot endures on an almost daily basis is unlike anything any previous generation of pilots has known. Despite all the changes that have occurred in commercial aviation history, 
One constant links modern professional airline pilots to their forebears. That constant is that airline flying is a physically demanding profession that inevitably takes its toll, whether in 1930 or today. Critics who charge that airline pilots are overpaid and underworked should follow a typical airline crew through a routine workday. First, consider the question of pace. In some ways, modern airline pilots confront physical challenges that aviators who flew in open cockpits never knew. Rising at 0330 for a dawn takeoff from Chicago to Cincinnati would be just as tough on the pilot of a Boeing monomail in 1930 as on a Boeing 757 pilot today. But the monomail pilot would be home after one round trip. The hours would be long, and he might have to battle the terrible mix of low altitude weather a modern jet captain can generally avoid. But once finished, the monomail pilot could take what was left of the day off. He wouldn't suffer from multiple crossings of time zones or exposure to high altitude radiation or the possibility of errant electronic impulses from the cathode ray laden flight deck. Acute circadian rhythm dysfunction, a physiological complaint modern flight surgeons see all too often, wouldn't trouble the monomail pilot. The modern flight deck crew, however, will find their workday extending far beyond the limited time zones that encompass a Chicago to Cincinnati trip. Unlike the monomail pilot, their day will not end with a return to Chicago. Their trip will continue, perhaps to another intermediate stop, say, Minneapolis, with a four hour ground wait, perhaps planned, or perhaps caused by a faulty food service cart that can't be secured in its bay. Next, they fly across the continent in either direction easterly one day, westward the next. Time zones blur during a three day trip. The rotation of the Earth advances or slows a pilot's physiological mainspring. And eventually, the circadian rhythm will take its revenge on human biology. It ravages the most basic functions of the human organism sleep efficiency first, other, More sinister effects later. By the time our modern B 757 crew has checked into a hotel, three time zones and 12 to 14 hours after waking up, only a sadist would say that they have been underworked. And the day is but a prelude to tomorrow, when they will have to do it all again. The tempo is wearing, and the physical response to the time compression. Rivals anything pioneer pilots endured. Perhaps the greatest change of all is the psychological hazards of working in an industry that moves at the whim of capital investment decisions. These hazards show scant regard for the personal and professional effects these decisions have on pilots, whose flight decks are at the critical apex of modern air transportation. The pilot in 1930 would understand. He lived in the same kind of world, and he hated it. He hated it so much that he decided, collectively, with all the other pilots who flew similar planes under similar circumstances, to do something about it. They formed a union called the Airline Pilots Association. They formed ALPA because they had to. They used it to protect themselves against exploitation by their employers. 
as a kind of insurance policy for their budding profession. Many of them, whose names are mostly unknown to modern airline pilots, didn't like the idea of forming a union. They hoped that their employers would recognize their contributions and reward them accordingly. They wanted desperately to make their companies succeed. And they hoped against all hope that the sacrifices they made to this end would win for them the kind of fair play that pilots traditionally expect of each other. But when that fervent hope failed, they closed ranks, and they marched, not always in a straight line, toward a future for themselves that would be secure and that they believed airline pilots of the future would inherit. If the future didn't turn out exactly the way they hoped, it wasn't because they didn't know about financial sharks who swim in troubled economic waters. Commercial aviation during the 1920s and early 1930s had more than its share of shifty operators who appreciated only the bottom line. Pilots fought them, insisting constantly that aviation was different from other kinds of business, that the bottom line wasn't all there was to it, that some things couldn't be quantified neatly on a balance sheet. Pilots knew all about economic chaos, deregulation, if you will. They had grown up in a deregulated world, as barnstormers, jackleg charter operators, and fly-by-night mail contractors. If a job existed, and it had anything to do with flying an airplane, they had done it. They knew about being exploited, about working long hours under dangerous conditions for low pay. They knew Frank Lorenzo's predecessor. His name was E.L. Cord. When the new airlines began forming during the late 1920s and early 1930s, the first generation of airline pilots seized the opportunity to build a profession for themselves. Through ALPA in all its multitude of activities, lobbying, politicking, and cultivating a favorable public image of themselves, they had almost single-handedly created the regulated system of air transportation we know today the one that made the American industry the standard by which all other commercial airline systems of the world are measured. Modern airline pilots confront a world as difficult and dangerous as anything pilots faced at the dawn of commercial aviation. The threat comes as much from erosion of the profession status as from the normal hazards of aviation. Those who opt for a career in an airliner's flight deck do so because they are pilots people who know how to fly an airplane. But to make a profession out of the mere job of flying that airplane, these same people are learning that, in aviation's brave new world, mere technical excellence is not enough. They must also become experts in corporate restructuring, financial analysis, mergers, acquisitions, and leveraged buyouts. The world of the modern airline pilot is, in some ways, a more intractable one, because the political climate is so much more unfavorable. Compared to the past, just as pilots began to build ALPA, American public opinion began to change, evolving into one friendly to organized labor. It was a time when a popular bias against big business ran strong. The Great Depression of 1929 left most Americans 
firmly convinced that corporate power was dangerous when too concentrated, and that government regulation was necessary to control it. Modern airline pilots inherited a drastically different world. During the era of deregulation, flashy real estate moguls, Wall Street sharpies, and illegitimate manipulators of paper empires caught the public's fancy. Instead of a pro-labor bias, the popular climate was decidedly hostile to organized labor. Instead of a bias against big business, the public seemed to lavish affection on mere wealth, no matter how sleazily acquired. Instead of distrusting corporate power, the country seemed to worship it. The airline pilots of the 1930s, in many respects, had it easier than modern airline pilots. C.R. Smith and Eddie Rickenbacker were no less predatory than Frank Lorenzo and Carl Icahn. The social and political circumstances restrained their instinct for the jugular. ALPA is still here, and most pilots still see ALPA as the bedrock their profession rests on, just as they did in 1931, the year of ALPA's birth. Critics scoff at the notion of unity among pilots, calling it outdated and naive. They point to the internal stresses that nearly fractured the profession in the 1980s as sure harbingers of ALPA's demise. Despite everything, pilots are still part of a tangible community, just as they were in 1927. It's a community born of shared experiences, a community that knows that what they have in common far outweigh the powers that divide them. Certainly, anybody who knows the history of ALPA understands that the Union was built on broken bones. A lot of forgotten aviators paid the price required to build the wages, working conditions, and traditions of modern airline pilots. History is not pretty. It is not an uninterrupted success story. ALPA's history is full of martyrs and lost causes. But ALPA has survived. Enter any room where airline pilots gather to work or talk today. Listen to the conversation, the concerns, the jokes. Whether it's Delta, United, or code-sharing airlines like American Eagle, they're the same. Despite all the changes wrecking the profession since it began, this one indisputable fact remains. Pilots are still pilots. Something links them together. Airline pilots of today are still part of this league, no matter which uniform they wear. They are pilots who happen to work for different airlines. ALPA remains the living embodiment of that kinship. Despite all the changes afflicting the world of modern airline pilots, such as B scales, deregulation, internal disaffection, and external enemies. Most pilots still recognize ALPA for what it is, the last bastion of the most formidable weapon remaining to them. The capability to act together across company lines to protect their profession in times of crisis. The weapon that springs from pilot unity and a fundamental sense of shared interests. The vehicle that transports that weapon to war is ALPA. So long as most airline pilots realize that unity across company lines is a formidable weapon, continue to defiantly wear their ALPA pins in public. Know that their union is us, not them, and that ALPA is the only keeper of that faith 
Alpa will survive. Next time on Flying the Line, the deregulation of the airline industry makes an indelible mark on the modern profession as politics and economics become part of an airline pilot's daily routine. Thank you for listening. This has been Chapter 1 of Flying the Line 2 by George E. Hopkins, copyright 2000. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. To listen and subscribe to more in this series, please check us out online at alpa.org or on iTunes, Stitcher, or other podcast platforms. Until next time, this is the Flying the Line podcast, a look into the past of the Airline Pilots Association International. Production copyright Alpha 2022. All rights reserved.